Drake Digital. Uh, I'm Drake, and here is a feature. We're going to be playing some of these as we evolve this new situation here. Our friend Bill Jones of Ask Lawyer Bill fame and his brother Scott do a podcast on the website. They're available uh, there at any time. This one, he took it upon himself to speak with a friend of his who is in law, uh, criminal law, and Bill is not in that area. Toby Welch from Oxford joins the Jones boys to discuss the Tyree Nichols case, where it is now, the questions involved, and where it's going. Informative, and you should listen to this, and um, if you have any questions, you can text us, and we'll get to it with Bill on Thursday. Here is our friend Bill Jones and Scott Jones and Toby Welch discussing the Tyree Nichols case on Drake Digital. We are back. This is uh, Lawyer Bill, and with me, as always, is Christopher Scott Jones, or C. Scott Jones. Uh, And, you know, last week there was a shift in uh, kind of the format of of what we could do and what we were allowed to do. So this week we're kind of exploring some new things that uh, Drake and Wes and Sid are kind of allowing us to do with this new venture. And one thing we wanted to do was explore... Uh, kind of what's going on with the Nichols case here in town and, and kind of some general questions that I have and that I think Scott has. We want to get some answers. Most of you that listen regularly to this know that Scott and I uh, practice or I practice exclusively in the area of family law and wills and estates. Scott does the same. He does some contract law. He does some environmental law and he does just some general jack-of-all-trades stuff. But neither one of us are, are really criminal lawyers. Now, Scott does The extent of my criminal stuff is the uh, I'm a public defender uh, a couple of times a month in the next county over for juvenile delinquent youths. And obviously, the, the situation that we've got going is a little bit is a little bit different than just a juvenile offense. Uh, we're dealing with authority figures, police officers here in Memphis, um, and we think that folks are going to have some general questions because even you and I, uh, when we heard about, you know, when we started following the story last week, we started having some questions as things started coming out. And um, I just thought it if you and I, being in the profession, have questions, um, it the general public is too. So, yeah. And I think that's uh, the, the, when we heard about it, it was the, you know, from your office back to my office. Hey, did you hear this? Did you notice this? What does that mean? And what does that mean? And and I'm kind of like you, I think that raises a lot of questions that if we're having to ask them, um, the general public's going to have a lot of maybe similar questions. Yeah. Um, that are hard to understand. So what we've done is, um, back in the day, uh, back during the glory days, uh, when I was privileged enough to live in the Garden of Eden, uh, that would be Oxford for all you uh, Memphian folk who um, you know live here with the Sodomites. Uh, back in the day, back in the day when I lived in Oxford, I met a young man, uh, and we hated each other instantly, and then came to actually uh, really get along and like each other. He is the most liberal friend that I have. Um, and we debate about politics a lot. I'm not going to ask him about the third set of Biden documents found today, but uh, I'll, I might ask him that later. 
But what I've got is my very good friend, Toby Welch, um, who is with us today and is going to try and help us answer some questions. Toby, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing wonderful, Bill. Scott, good to hear from y'all. So, Toby, tell us a little bit about, uh, this is your chance you get to plug yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do in your practice and how long you've been doing it. Well, I've been practicing pretty much from the exact same day as you for 20 plus years. Uh, what I do is criminal defense. I spent four years with the Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics as one of their attorneys, but left there 14 years ago. So I have done nothing but 9% of my practice from that point forward has been nothing but criminal defense. I've handled everything from capital murder to speeding tickets. And how, how long have you been doing it? Uh, uh, 20 or 14 ish years with nothing but criminal defense and four years, like I said before that with the Bureau of Narcotics and two years prior to that with just some general practice type type stuff. Now, so you're, you're not from Memphis, but no, you, you've got, I know at least you've got a, a godson that lives in Memphis or outside of Memphis. Sure. And then you've got, you've got a brother. Yeah, Court, who uh, owns and operates Celebrity Soul Food there in Memphis. So I have some fam- familial ties uh, to the area, if nothing else. And I know, Bill, uh, you know, based on y'all's friendship, you established when I was in law school in Jackson, uh, it was not uncommon to see uh, Mr. Welch running around town or at a luncheon or anything like that. So I was able to see him uh, while we were doing that. We kind of established a little bit of a friendship. Yeah. Yes, I've, I've known Scott almost as long as I've known you. So, Toby, I, I don't know how much you know about what's going on here. So, Scott, give us kind of a brief breakdown of of the situation and what we know so far. And, and just at home, so you know, we are recording this uh, Sunday evening on January 22nd. So, Scott, kind of let us know where we're at right now. Yeah, and one thing I'm, I'm going to ensure that we do is I'm going to go with trusted news sources, and we're going to use what we know. Um, right now, as cited by WREG, um, here's the way the case timeline kind of breaks down. January 7th, um, MPD said officers uh, stopped Mr. Nichols for, quote-unquote, reckless driving near Rains and Ross Road in Hickory Hill. Uh, Police stated that as they approached him, a confrontation occurred and Mr. Nichols took off running. After a pursuit, officers claimed that um, when they caught up with him, another confrontation occurred before they were able to take him into custody. Um, Now, according to the family on this day, they say the second confrontation happened on Castlegate Lane. That's just a couple of yards away from where a Sky Cop camera is located, which if you're from Memphis, you know, you see them all over the place. They're on poles. Uh, they have blue lights and they're police monitoring stations. Now they say that uh, police say Mr. Nichols did complain of some shortness of breath and he was taken to St. Saint, uh, Saint Francis. Um, the family stating that uh, he went into cardiac arrest and it left him with uh, a broken neck and he suffered some other medical issues and subsequently succumbed to those injuries on January 10th. Okay. Um, he was 29 years old. Yeah, well, I don't. Uh, I don't want. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much of that you want, but that that's the incident of what occurred. Now, in the background, um, obviously, there's been a lot of clamoring for the 
for the body cam footage to be released. Um, and there's been some firings and other things going on in the background. And we've been given some, some tentative dates and deadlines. I know we got an update a little while ago that the family is going to release their statement tomorrow. It's believed. And the, it's also believed that the police department is going to be releasing the body cam footage tomorrow as well. Yeah. So the, the other things that we've got going on here. Um, so we've got up here, Toby, we've got a brand new, uh, DA Steve Mulroy, who was a professor at the University of Memphis, uh, is now the, the new DA. He won the election um, over Amy Wyrick, so he's he's going to be handling that, and he's he's kind of shaking things up. He's got a no no cash bail system uh, with kind of a spreadsheet that 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 gives you a score as to how much you've got to pay, and that's really being scrutinized. And this is putting a lot of focus on him right now as well. Um, I know that they've hired Ben Crump, who um, was the attorney from um, the George Floyd case, and they've associated with Van Turner. Van and I took the bar at the same time. Uh, he's a he's a very plugged in uh, attorney in this area. Um, I think he he kind of helped when they removed um, the remains of. Uh, Nathan Bedford, um, he, he was instrumental in that. So Van Turner's a big name around here as well. Um, so he and Ben Crump are going to be on this for the family. And, and that, to me, uh, says that the eyes of the nation for a while are probably going to be in, on us over this. Now, what we know well, is— Well, and, it, and Friday, you take that in conjunction with the, don't forget, on the 18th, the U.S. Attorney uh, General Ritz— announced a joint investigation with the FBI and the Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department into this incident. Yeah, and I, I, they've opened a case, from what I understand. Um, so you've got that. And then on Friday, they fired the five officers that were involved in this. And those five officers, uh, to the best of my knowledge, were, were all black. So, I, I believe that's correct. Uh, yeah, it is. All right. So, just one of the one of the questions that we've got immediately, Toby, is why did they just fire the officers? If it was egregious enough to to fire them, why haven't the officers been charged with something? Well, generally because police officers have got civil service protection and. Uh, most of the time, before you can even arrest or charge a, an officer, you know, obviously there's certain <clears throat> uh, exclusions to that. You've got to have what's called a probable cause hearing to determine whether or not there's enough probable cause to allow uh, a, an officer or an officer, a, a school teacher, a public official to be actually charged with something. Uh, in this case, uh, you know, obviously I, I'm reading the news footage that you, that y'all have provided and that I found online. I mean, this isn't something where the, uh, at least from what I can gather, there's nothing where the officers just, the gentleman did not die from a gunshot wound or anything like that. Uh, he was, uh, taken to the hospital. So it's not something that's just open and obvious here, um, as to the, you know, why he died. I mean, pretty clear from, you know, what I've read, cardiac arrest, broken neck, but again, it's not that there's, I hate to put it this way, but it's not like there's blood, 
you know, on the ground where he was. Uh, so <clears throat> you got to follow the procedures. And, you know, the first step would be to, unfortunately, most of the times in the country when something like this occurs, they will put the officers on, you know, uh, administrative leave or whatnot. Uh, the fact that they went ahead and fired them right. makes me believe that uh, that that charges are, will be imminent. Yeah, so I think that's that's the question. It is if it? I understand you're saying that they they've got to have probable cause to charge them. But what I'm what I'm trying to figure out is generally when you see this, the officers are on paid leave and. There's generally an outcry from the public over that, that, hey, these officers are getting paid to be on leave while they're being investigated. But in this case, MPD cut ties and fired them. And and I think the question is, if, if whatever they investigated showed that it was sufficient to just fire them and not put them on leave, then wh- why didn't we follow up with charges? But you're saying that that's, that's a different burden? Well, yeah, I mean, from able to to read here uh i thought there was something along the lines that uh they had broken uh uh, police procedures policies whatnot yeah and i think one of those was the failure to intervene um uh, you know if you witness another officer um, using maybe excessive force um some of the chart i think the internal policies that were violated were the you know use of excessive force um, one was failure to intervene and things of that nature. Those are internal policies. Um, but I guess like Bill and I have discussed, though, those will, those actions are enough for you to lose your job, but you've still required the due process to hear enough probable cause. That, those will probably be details used in a probable cause hearing. Well, yeah, uh, correct. But I mean, but also by the same token, it would be, beyond odd for a uh, law enforcement entity where you had people work at uh, who then turn around subsequently and arrest their own people. So, I, you know, I would imagine that, uh, you know, Memphis PD is not going to, I mean, they can, but I mean, again, it's very odd. I would imagine the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation would be the ones that would, uh, you know, bring whatever charges, get the affidavits uh, and, and actually in the warrants and actually arrest the officers. So just because, again, they're not mutually exclusive, you know, punishments. So, yeah, just because they were fired doesn't mean they can't be charged criminally. Again, the fact that they were fired, I would imagine that uh, uh, criminal charges, be it either through the uh, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation or doesn't. Is there a Shelby? I'm always confused. Is there a metro law enforcement in Shelby County or is there a Shelby County Sheriff's Department separate from the? Uh, we Memphis do. We police. have, yeah, we have two separate. So here we have the city police and we have the county police. Yeah, there are two separate I mean, police forces. Right. Now there's not a whole lot of overlap. It's kind of understood right. that you know there are sections where you will have county and city presence. Right. Um, but think the county also has to cover the area outside the city limits, yeah. which is it's pretty big. I yeah. Mean, you got yeah. Millington, Arlington, Collierville, other other places that right. aren't within the city limits. They, some of those places have their own municipal police, but they're backed up by the county officers as well. Yeah, in a, in a, but in a situation, I mean, technically the sheriff's department could do it, but in a situation like this, I would imagine it would be the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. Now, understand, that's just for whatever state charges may arise. 
uh, obviously with the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office uh, opening an investigation and getting DOJ's uh, Civil Rights uh, Division to also participate, you know, obviously the, the federal charges, if there are any, would be, they may, they're all going to have basically the same, obviously the same set of facts, but uh, uh, obviously the federal charges would, would basically uh, deal with, you know, violation, deprivation of rights, especially uh, under color of authority that leads to death. I mean, that's about as serious as it gets in uh, the federal system for you know, potential punishments. Yeah, well, I want to ask you some more questions about that in just a second. And I was going to tell you, well, you, I, I think maybe sometimes as attorneys we know, but people don't realize you can actually be charged for, for crimes twice. Um, one at yeah, your, you can, once your state level and another <clears throat> at a federal level. So if you've got yeah, a, yeah, a concurrent <laughs> sentence, could you kind of break that, how that, that works out? Yeah, it, it flies in the face to me of, you know, double jeopardy, which is obviously in the U.S. Constitution Bill of Rights. But, yeah, what the, the way they get a, well, the way it is done is you have what's called two different sovereigns, i.e. the state is one political body and then the federal government is a separate political body. So to be honest with you, you can be acquitted in one and then turned around and uh, tried and convicted in the other. Uh, or you could be, uh, like I've had, you know, I've had clients who had, you know, pled guilty, been found guilty to, especially like a possession of a firearm by convicted felon, uh, type thing in the state court who are then turned around and, uh, you know, arrested, prosecuted and potentially convicted and incarcerated for the exact same charge under the federal system. Uh, I don't personally think that's proper, but that is the law. All right. You're listening to. A broadcast from our friend Bill Jones, his brother Scott Jones from the Jones Law Firm, and a friend of theirs who does uh, criminal law. His name is Toby Welch, as they discuss the ongoing information, facts, fiction, and questions around the killing of Tyree Nichols, a big story in this town. Now back to these guys. Some follow-up questions to what we were talking about earlier, and, and, and I guess some new questions, too. Uh, Toby, I, I noticed that um, when they published the five officers that were being fired, they published how long they'd been active on the force, and they published their names. Um, is that is that normal to publish the names of the officers when they've been discharged of something that that's such a powder keg offense? Well, again, it's <clears throat> it's generally pretty rare to have officers, you know, fired in a situation like this. So if you get to uh, uh, to that level where they're going to be fired, I mean, obviously, this would be more up y'all's alley than mine. But it almost seems like, hey, you know, what, mitigation of damages. Hey, we did everything we could. We got rid of them as quickly as we could, uh, you know. Yeah. So it, it, it's obviously if they had just been suspended. Or, or put on administrative leave, no, they wouldn't have released the, the names. But it, I hate to, again, put it this way, but it's almost like Memphis is saying, we're washing our hands of these guys. They did this. We had nothing, you know, we would not tolerate something like this. These were uh, uh, lone wolves, you know, there are five of them, uh, yeah. who did this way outside of anything that we, we would countenance. 
Well, that and that leads to that leads to my next question. And, and my next question is, what what all the news outlets around town are are saying is that uh, there's body cam footage of this, and like Scott said, there was a uh, an overhead camera. Um, so there's apparently some pretty stout footage of this that the family is set to view tomorrow, um, and then our, our they've already day, viewed it. Our, they viewed it on Friday. Well, all the news outlets are saying that they are viewing it with their attorney uh, on Monday, and that's why he's flying in. But okay, that's an we, update. I got you. Um, when they do, the there's an outcry from the public, and even Steve Mulroy's office has said we'll release the video if we can do so in a way that doesn't interfere with the in- investigation. As if it's bad enough that they've already fired the officers. Is that something? Why, why are we seeing this? Why do we get to see this as the public, Toby? The, the video? Yeah, I mean, the, the body cam. Why, why, are, why are the police going to release it? Well, again, you go back to, you know, once everything has, has occurred, and, oh, my God, we had no idea this would never happen if we had known, then all of a sudden, you know, let's be as transparent as we possibly can. See, we're not hiding anything. Whereas in a situation that it's not like this, but something that that's uh, illegal or or however you want to call it, you know, some bad actions by the police. Most of the time, they would say, "No, there is no body cam," or it's still under investigation, so we can't release it. I, again, my thoughts is that they're <clears throat> it's bad. It's really, really bad, and. Uh, we want there basically let's get ahead of, out ahead of this as much as we can. Uh, the police chief, it, the the newly elected one, she actually took time to to in her statement. She said the egregious nature of this incident is not a reflection of the good work that our officers perform with integrity every day, and the charges mentioned by Davis are all internal department charges, not criminal ones at this time. Well, the the outcry that I'm hearing so far, when when people are discussing this around the water cooler, it's everybody's noticed that MPD has just fired these guys, and and the big the big talking point I've heard is that it's because the five are black, that that white officers get put on administrative leave and black officers don't. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's any credence to that. I think once we see the the tape, I'm I am um, I'm terrified that when we see the tape, it will be so violent we'll understand quickly why MPD took the steps that they did. Um, but but again, Toby, you're saying it's uncommon for for these folks to just be summarily fired after just reviewing the tape. Yeah, I'm well. Again, depending on, you know, what is easily shown or what is easily proven by what is shown, um, you know, if it's bad enough and egregious enough, um, at that point in time, it's like, let's uh, let's cut our losses, if you will. And, you know, again, let's try to get out ahead ahead of this. Uh, uh, so, again, I, I'm just assuming, obviously, but the, the fact that they – are releasing it and I have fired the the officers. I've just got to assume it's horrific. Uh, is there, do they lose their, 
when they got fired, or is the police union still going to be representing them, or did that end, or do you know? Well, no, I mean that you know, the, at least down in, in southeast of the United States, they have the Police Benevolent Association, or you know, Southern States PBA. Um, that's not a police union, as like you would see on you know Law and Order or something in in New York. That's a basically it's a voluntary. Uh, for lack of a better term, uh, and you know the the officers would pay you know I think it's like thirteen fourteen dollars a month or something along that line, and what that does is uh, uh, will secure them you know an attorney through the the, the police benevolent association, which is kind of like a police union, but it, it's not you know mandatory. I, I am a attorney for that organization and have represented a number of police officers. Um, the way that works is if, uh, yeah, they, they will be, you know, represented up until such point, again, just dealing with Southern States PBA, um, up until such point as it's determined that this was no longer a, uh, it no longer being, you know, a police officer. You know, if it, if it turns into an actual crime, then at that point, at least with them, representation through them would, would cease. So, all right. So lastly, uh, the last kind of line that I want to talk to you about is when you were when you were MBNA, were there ever officers that that you could talk about that that got into trouble? Or I don't want you to tell me details, but were there officers that you had to deal with that did stuff wrong and and had to had to be disciplined? Oh yeah. Okay. So with that being said, um, I'm going to make the assumption. And as an attorney, I, I have to preface that. I'm going to assume that where there's smoke, there's fire. And the fact that these five officers were, were fired in the manner that they were, that, uh, that the stories we're all hearing uh, through, very, through the grapevine are true, and that this young man was, uh, was just a victim here and, and for, for no reason was just beat to death. Um, if, if we assume that's true, this poor family um, is going to sue the bejesus out of Memphis, and 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 they they better get paid. Well, um, that was going to lead to my next question. I wanted to ask Toby a question or two about qualified immunity. Well, and that's where I'm going to is um, is it these officers personally that are going to be liable? Is it the city? Is it going to be the police department? And do they lose their qualified immunity? since they've been fired uh now again now we're delving into areas that not exactly my uh cup of tea but uh qualified immunity really only applies for things that may be quite frankly may be illegal or 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 unethical however you want to call it but the way qualified immunity works is oh well if you know we haven't had a case specifically on point on this so you get qualified immunity uh, there's long list and line of cases that saying you can't kill somebody while they're in custody. So if that's what uh, you have here, uh, doesn't would not remotely apply. Um, uh, additionally, you know what you're talking about here is a 1983 federal civil rights action. Uh, obviously, it would be the city. I mean, I, you may. I'm sure they probably would sue the officers, you know, individually, but, you know, they have no money. That's not where the pocket is. The pocket is obviously the, the municipality, the, the governmental entity that employed them. Uh, 
uh, and in 19, you know, I, I'm assuming that Tennessee's got a, a tort claims act or, or the equivalent, but obviously when you're dealing with 1983 civil rights actions, uh, don't let me, I'm 99% sure, but they tort claims act doesn't, you know, come into, into play. You're obviously in the, in the federal system and you're dealing with deprivation or, or violation of civil rights. So, um, yeah, it's going to, uh, I mean, again, assuming what you read and what's being reported is true, yeah, it's going to be a lot, a lot of money. So, trial timelines. Let's. This will never go to trial. Why? Why is that? You mean the civil matter? Let's talk about both sides of it. Okay. Well, the at least in my, I, I, again, we're all just assuming that what's being reported is true or, or mostly true. I'm not aware of. Of, and again, not not something I really do, but you know, harking all the way back to say Rodney King, I don't remember there ever being a civil trial dealing with with incidents like this, simply because it's just generally much better to I think to settle it, uh, no matter how bad it is, it's going to probably be better than what a jury may very well return. And, and additionally, uh, you know, in the civil trial, you're going to get you know, everything is going to come out. And, you know, most municipalities, I wouldn't imagine, would <clears throat> would want that. Um, so I would imagine that, that, that this, like pretty much all of them, would settle. Now, as for the criminal trial, you've got five officers. Um, you know, if I remember, let's see here. They, officers stopped him for reckless driving. Uh, I must assume, now I'd read somewhere, and this may be incorrect, that these were uh, plainclothes officers? They're, they're rumors. So one okay. of the rumors circulating is that they were from a squad that was invented in November called the Scorpion Unit that is supposed to uh, deter violent actions in neighborhoods or something. Um, but one of, the, one of the things that they employ is, is undercover uh, in planes, plain clothes. So I, we'll know when we see the when we see the film. Uh, if we'll know when we see the film, but apparently well, if, the, if, if these guys are ran and then ran again. In that Correct. timeline, it was instituted right after our last election. I believe it was a program put in place by the by the new chief. Okay. Well, assuming these were plain clothes uh, officers and unmarked vehicles, or. Uh, what we would call, at least in Jackson, where I practice a, a jump out squad. Uh, if they are, in fact, plain clothes, then there's not going to be any body cam footage, nor will there be any uh, dash cam footage. Generally, undercover people obviously don't don't have that on them. Well, then that um, means that rumor's probably not true, because well, they're very clear that there's some footage. Right. But, well, keep like, in mind, it could be the eye in the sky. Yeah, yeah I mean, is I, it says I, fam- I haven't heard them differentiate between body cam or... If it's footage, well, by the um, by the, the time by the time this is online, I have I suspect the video will be out and we'll know for sure. So I don't want to spend a whole lot of time speculating. Right, but I mean, that. I'm just reading here. It says that the second confrontation happened just yards from where and under a sky cop camera. I'm betting that's probably where the footage is going to come from. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, saying all that with the five officers, you know, it, it depends on on levels of, of, of culpability. If, 
you know, kind of going back to kind of the George Floyd, Floyd thing, you had Showman uh, is the one who actually kneeled on his neck and you know, killed him. Uh, and the other ones were, you know, uh, standing around and didn't do anything, which, again, based on the, the reporting, you know, failure to intervene, failure to, you know, whatever that was. I'm assuming you're going to have much of the same kind of, uh, you know, scenario here. So if it plays out that way, the one, again, assuming that, that, that they're charged and assuming it is what, what it appears to be, uh, the one who's, I guess, would be most culpable uh, could potentially be looking at, obviously, the, the, the severest penalties. Um, that one may, you know, and, and the, the, any kind of an offer of plea bargain, either from the state or whereas in the federal system, there's no such thing really as a plea bargain. Uh, you, it's all based on the sentencing guidelines, which neither here nor there. Uh, you know, if you're facing the, the most exposure, you know, you may have no uh, choice but to uh, um, but to roll the dice with the trial. You know, if they're offering you life as a, as a plea bargain, um, then, you know, you don't have a choice but to, to, to try it. Whereas if you have the other ones kind of ancillary, you know, lesser or not maybe lesser, but lower charges, less penalty, they might be willing to, uh, especially in a, in a, in a federal type uh, thing to agree to testify against, you know, the principal where they can get, you know, points for downward departure for a lower sentence and stuff like that. So, uh, it would all depend on what the offers are, assuming they're charged and assuming it gets to that point. But, um, I would imagine generally the, the less culpable would probably be the ones to, 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 Interplay and yeah, yeah. Then let me ask one thing. This was a a question I had for you that it's probably right in your wheelhouse, Toby. Um, If if you have a if you're a police officer and you have a suspect and you pull them over, they stop and then they bail out of the vehicle and take off running. I mean, obviously we've seen you know sometimes what levels of force are acceptable. Um, to be able to stop a fleeing suspect. I mean, obviously you can't, if it's a guy taken off, you can't just shoot him in the back if he's taken off running. Well, I, I would say, I would say do this. I would say that this sometime Monday or Tuesday, we're going to have that film. And at that point in time, we'll see the level of force used. Um, and probably what we'll do is we'll get back, um, back with Toby See if he can come back on. Um, if you want, if you've had a good time, sure. we'll get you oh, yeah, back sure. on. And one thing I kind of get I your will, opinion on that. Yeah, just real quick. One thing I would say though, a broken neck. I don't know of any possible reason why a suspect would end up. I mean, you know, barring a car crash or something, um, would end up with a broken neck in police custody. That's not, and I think I think that's the sentiment, especially if you've seen the the photo of the young man, and then you realize that it's five officers. Oh, it's brutal. Did did it did it take that amount of? I mean, if if you were fleeing, that's one thing, but I mean, to, yeah, to even, flee and wind up like that, I mean, even five guys piling on top of you at the same time as a group tackle. I mean, you see it that in football every week, and you don't see somebody with a broken neck. That's why I was kind of asking it. I think the general perception in the city is, is that for for whatever was going on in the moment, excessive force was without a doubt used. Um, and I think the the video substantiates that, or the, the photo we've seen does. 
but I think not seeing the video, it's kind of like Bill said, it leaves a lot to the imagination. It leaves a lot of questions and a picture is worth a thousand words. So a video is going to be worth even more. Yeah. And, and I'm really, you know, the gentleman, you know, had a broken neck and yet nothing that I've seen or, or, or y'all sent me or anything has any mention whatsoever of the police recovering the gun, drugs, any type of, you know, actual illegal uh, behavior, activity, crime by, by Mr. Nichols. I mean, invariably, no matter, you know, sometimes how egregious it may be, there's always, oh, uh, you know, we did this, but we also found, and it may just be, you know, misdemeanor marijuana there or something. I, I haven't seen anything that said that they had recovered. No, but by all accounts, by all accounts, um, Mr. Nichols was a, was a good, was a good. Citizen. Oh yeah. I mean, there's yeah, no doubt, but I mean, it, and I'll be honest with you as many times I've seen some of this stuff, I generally question when someone who's never committed a crime, but ended up in the hospital after being in police custody. Oh, well he, you know, we found, you know, an ounce of cocaine on him, even though there's no indication any other time in their lives that they'd ever done anything much like Mr. Nichols here yet. There's not even a, oh, we found. Yeah, this. there's no I mean, mention of them finding yeah. anything. Yeah, anything. that's. But I, I would I, I would think that the video will be very, uh, you know, informative. I think it'll be very telling, very tragic and very sad for our city. But obviously Agreed. some of it, some of why we're here and why we chose this topic for tonight is because it's on the front of all of our minds. And it's on the front of all of our minds because we. We just don't know yet. Uh, we're going to be spectators uh, along with, with y'all as to what happens to the city, what happens to the officers, what happens to this poor family uh, that is left behind to deal with these consequences. Um, but I hope that we've helped uh, somebody out there kind of understand why the city's taking the steps, what we're going to be looking for in the future, and legally why some of the things that have happened are happening. Um, I'm sure that as we go through this, you may have more intricate or, intricate or specific questions. If you do, you can get those to me. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Lawyer Bill and uh, online at LawyerBill.com. As always, you can send in a question for the Thursday morning live segment of Ask Lawyer Bill. That's only on Drake Digital. Uh, 7.30 a.m. on Thursday mornings. We'll see you then. Hope to hear back from you or hope to speak with you later this week. We'd like to thank our guest, Toby Welch. You can find him online at, Toby, what's your email or your web address? Criminallawyer.ms, as in Mississippi. All right. So if you're you're getting trouble down in Jackson, he's your guy. Uh, Thank you for your time and coming on with us tonight. Uh, Scott and I will be back later this week with an update after the footage is revealed. Until then, y'all have a great, great week. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Thanks, guys. That was Bill and Scott Jones and uh, Toby Welch, a friend of theirs down in Oxford that does the law that involves, well, uh, criminals, uh, different kinds of law. They may do, as Bill just said, a follow-up on this as the facts Keep rolling out, and we'll um, keep up with that and see how we want to present it. Maybe with Bill on Thursday in the morning. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, thank you guys, and we will see Bill on Thursday. Questions for him, 878-9420. Now back to the tunes.